Hey there, welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation, where we give some supplemental content in order to form us as followers of Jesus beyond Sunday mornings. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke, and today we're going to be expanding a little bit more on the message that was given last Sunday called, The Mission Has a Church. If you haven't heard it yet, you can listen to it on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now. Just go back an episode and you'll find it there. Uh, You won't regret it. Luke had a lot of good stuff to say, and I'm definitely not just saying that because he's my boss and sitting right across this table from me. Uh, He actually had good things to say. So why don't you start us off today uh, and expand a little bit on what you mean and where your thought process is with the phrase, the mission has a church. Just kind of expand on that a little bit more for for everybody. Thanks, Nick. My head was in a space of trying to enlighten and uh, illuminate what the text had to say, the Bible had to say about the mission of God, and that this mission is very sacred to God, and it started way before the people of God existed, way before the Bible existed, and I would even contest to say before creation existed, and that God's heart is a missional heart. And he's perfect in and of himself. He wanted to share of himself. He creates humanity and then creates an opportunity for humanity to know him, be in relationship with him. And this, the adjacent plan that goes along with that is people would have an opportunity to meet this God of the Bible. I think when you flip the term, the church has a mission to the mission has a church, all of the sudden the role you play in contributing to the success of that mission becomes urgent and crystallized. Hmm. When you use the phrase, the mission has a church, all of a sudden you realize that the church's existence is predicated on fulfilling something that is sacred to God. Well, what is that sacred thing? All throughout scripture, countless verses, share with us this heart that God has for all people to come into a right relationship with him. And there's really only one institution that will accomplish that successfully. Actually, the Bible says the gates of hell will be stormed by the church. It doesn't say the gates of hell will be stormed by uh, a nonprofit or a for-profit or a, a family. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I'm a pastor, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I believe that the church is the hope of the world because it is the primary institution, and God does love institutions. It is the primary institution by which Jesus' message and work will be spread and fulfilled. So when you turn the phrase, the church has a mission to the mission has a church, you immediately can raise your hand and say, what part of what, what, um, where on the team do I play? Am I a shortstop? Am I the pitcher? And all of a sudden you realize that you have a part to play and that that part is urgent and critical to the fulfillment of this mission. I um, think that if you keep the phrase, the church has a mission, you depend on the church staff to fulfill that mission. 
You depend on a church's budget to fulfill that mission. You depend on, well, there's a lot of churches in my city. Surely they'll all do the, yeah. their job and fulfill their mission. And you are left out of, of the work. Well, I think that the phrase, honestly, it, it just it moves ownership. Is that who, who has, who owns this mission? Does the church own this mission or does God own this mission? Uh, I, I read a book recently that I don't remember which book it was, but it literally said it had the, I remember it had the words, uh, faith is about trusting God to do what you can't do. And so that applies to mission as well. You know, us taking that step of obedience, a lot of that has to do with trusting that God is going to do what we cannot do and that God is going to move in ways that we cannot move. Uh, you've used the analogy of, of the farmer and, and how it's all throughout the scriptures in this agricultural context, um, how the, the farmer throws the seed and then he goes to bed and then the next morning things are growing. The farmer did not grow the things. He just threw the seed. And that that's I feel like that's the, the premise behind this ownership change is that God does the growing. God does the expanding of the church. God does the the changing lives, the miracles. God does all of that. The church just plants seeds. It is not the church's mission to change the world. That's God's mission to change the world. It's God's mission to restore everything. We've just been invited to be a part of it. We've just been invited to contribute to the process. Kind of like you mentioned a little bit on Sunday about the parts of the bike. You know, finding what piece of the bike you are you, we have been called to just be part of the bike. You know, the whole bike is, you know, we could say that's the church or you could use the analogy in a different direction to say the whole bike is the, the mission of God, you know, and the church has just been invited to be a part of it. Yeah, I think the invitation is, is an invitation of partnership. And so we see God's open-handedness in inviting the church to fulfill a mission that he could have done entirely on his own Mm, like is god powerful enough to fulfill what is sacred to him can he do it by himself well of course the answer is yes he spoke light into existence physics obey his voice yeah so we're talking about a fully authoritative god who open-handedly offers us an invitation of partnership. And to your point about the farmer analogy, you're right. Scripture is just full of all of this agricultural language, which is awesome because we live in Indiana and I love <laughs> me some agricultural language. And so here we've got all throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, we've got farmers, we've got seed sowers, we've got cultivators, we've got planters. Jesus, is, Jesus uses these uh, sound bites in parables. And what does he do? He tells the story about a farmer throwing seed into a field, cultivating that seed. And then the next morning, the farmer wakes up and it's like, whoa, the germination process has taken place. We've got plants, folks. <laughs> well, did the farmer have any power to release rain from the sky? Did he have any power to uh, illuminate the sun? Well, of course not. But he did have the choice to throw seed. Yeah. And I think that that partnership, that offering 
of partnership from God to humanity, or at least God to, to, to regenerated Christians, disciples who have met Jesus, been baptized, living on mission. They're all in for the mission of, of God. And there's this offering of partnership, and we have relegated that offer of partnership to the organizational church to fulfill yeah. that. So the farmers are not the people of God. The farmers are the paid mm. staff. And that's the tragedy of yeah. church. Wow. The tragedy of church is that the farmers that throw seed are paid staff or high-level key volunteers, which, look, key volunteers are pretty important. Yes, they we, are. We know. We lead a church here. We love you, key volunteers. <laughs> but, but... I think that we live in a um, world obsessed with consuming. Yeah. But yet the offer from God to humanity is, hey, why don't you contribute to this? Yeah. Because I could have done this on my own. Well, and that culture of consuming has even brought us to a point as a, as a culture where if you give someone an out, they will take it. 100% of the time. Always. My human proclivity will even take an out. Yes. Especially, especially when it's something that is difficult. Or seems like it might be stressful, such as sharing the gospel. Like that can be a little bit daunting. That can be a daunting task, especially if you have the understanding that it's the, your mission and it's your responsibility rather than God's responsibility that He's just invited you into. That's a lot of pressure, you know. Um, you know, one thing that I, I think of a lot is is the more that we turn over responsibility to the organizational church and to the staff, we're just robbing the priesthood of all, of, of, of all believers, of God's gift of doing ministry. Like, we're not letting them do it. You know, whether it's benevolence, you know, benevolence funds keep people from being generous because they just send them to a link. Whether it's, you know, sharing the gospel. We, we, we don't let them share the gospel. Instead, we say, hey, invite them to church and I'll share the gospel. You know, we've given the, the people of God a bunch of outs, saying, oh, the organization will take care of everything. You just have to attend. <laughs> you just have to be there. You just have to give us money and we'll fulfill the mission that God has given us. And you just you just throw money at us and we'll make it happen. And then we're upset that the priesthood of all yes. believers isn't engaged in the mission, but our system that we've created creates the outcomes exactly. that it does. Exactly. So somewhere along the way, we've both messed up. Yeah. Leaders and non-leaders alike of the church have all messed up. You know, somewhere along the way, we decided the people of God don't need to do ministry or live on mission. The pastor will do it. And so what was meant to be a light burden that went up for along, you know, the whole people of God carries this light burden that was given from Jesus. You know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Instead, that got condensed into a heavy burden for one or a few pastors to take on. And so it's no wonder that in the West, pastors are, you know, they're burning out left and right. They're quitting ministry all over the place. And meanwhile, the people of God are becoming more and more consumerist. And it's because of that, you know, somewhere along the way, we decided to switch the roles. Somewhere we decided that the responsibility of, of the mission was on, you know, the, the role of the farmer was the organizational church rather than the people in the church. You know, and so we've shot ourselves in the foot here. We've put ourselves in a tough position. Instead of the entire church community doing the work of God, Oh no 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 no! That's not me. That's just I'm not a pastor. I don't have a. I don't. I didn't go to seminary. I I didn't do that. I don't teach. I don't preach. 
So I'm not called to, I'll just bring them to church. That's my role. If people knew just how little of preaching and teaching went along with pastoral yeah. leadership, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, be, I'm trying to be like a little bit humorous here, but like preaching and teaching take up about 10% of what someone like you and I do. Yeah. F- frankly, it, it is a huge privilege and a joy. Yeah. But my gosh, there is just so much more to the local church fulfilling God's sacred mission. And I want to I want to circle back to something you said, Nick, because I thought it was just really powerful. You know, we, last Sunday, I was trying to plea with this church that you, you know, you are part of this bike, so yeah. to speak. Like the analogy worked there. And when the whole bike is assembled and all parts are there, the bike actually works really well. Yeah. And each one of our persons in this church has a part to play. And I think that the language we've opted for at Mercy Road Northwest is the priesthood of all believers. You've already said it once or twice now. What we mean by the priesthood of all believers is the ancient language throughout scripture of like priestly duties. What we're suggesting is that that um, responsibility or that duty is shared as evenly as possible amongst all participants. And so what we're saying is that uh, it's a tragedy that the church has unintentionally or not put the burden on the staff or put the burden on the budget to do what God has called the priesthood to do. Yeah. And I want to circle back to one more thing I thought you said was just so key, Nick. You talked about sharing the gospel and you said like, you know, come to church, (laughs) come to church so you can hear the gospel. And again, on one hand, there's profound wisdom in inviting your lost friends or inviting yes, your look, your there, seeking friends. There are pure intentions. To oh, that. absolutely. There, there is, there is. God uses invitations. Don't ever talk right. yourself out. Don't ever talk yourself out yourself out of inviting someone to a church service. Right. But, but if that is your only means of living on mission, right. In via evangelism, I want you to think about this. Instead of sharing the gospel the way you think you have to, which is, okay, I've got to make sure I've got precision of language. I've got to make sure they understand mm-hmm. that Jesus was buried for yeah. three days, re- resurrected from the grave with the same spirit. You know, it, it, we say try the, to get it it's right. It's like a checklist. Say the sinner's prayer. Bring them right. to church. You know, These are the things that have to happen. You know, What if instead our people felt empowered to share their stories of redemption? Mm-hmm. This is who I was before I met Jesus. This is who I am after I did. Dude, that's the New Testament. Right? How do you think Paul made all those churches happen? And you he went around and was like, hey, I used to kill people <laughs> for following Jesus, and look at me now. Look at <laughs> Now I follow Jesus. Look at me now! <laughs> I lost 35 pounds! Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so... Your story of redemption is non-negotiable. It's not up for debate. You yeah. share the gospel and someone will, uh, uh, someone who's doubting or someone's on the fence or someone who has a a, um, a mind that um, maybe is more cynical. Yeah. Th- th- they will, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And they'll want to have an intellectual argument. They your can't argue story, with your story. You, you can't argue with your story. There's literally no possible mm-hmm. way nope. somebody can argue with, wait, you used to be like that, but you're not like that any longer? 
what what gives? Yeah. Well, this is the power of meeting Christ face to face. And yeah. so I think if, if, if our people knew that um, you don't have to be something you see or hear, that's the danger of like preaching and putting it online and podcasts and yeah. putting them online. It's all of a sudden your people start to feel like, well, I could never be that or do that. So right. what's the point of trying? Well, I think that's the only part of the bike. Yeah. Which is so such a tragedy. And what we're hoping to correct by God's grace, the staffing philosophy at the local church really should be, and it's what ours is, but it should be to empower and equip and encourage the priesthood of all believers to do what classically a large staff or a large budget does. Yeah. Yeah. Which is engage in the mission of God to restore and reconcile and bring everything back to him. Yeah. Are you doing something besides sitting under preaching? Hmm. Are you doing something besides singing songs? And, and look, no one's going to push you off a cliff. Like no one's going to like uh, force you to do something that you're super uncomfortable with. But I will tell you, God loves to pull us out of our comfort zones. Yeah. That's right? where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens, man. Yeah. It's when God pulls us out of our comfort zones. Yeah. I think to an extent, kind of as the, you know, the whole trellis and vine analogy that we see in scripture that Jesus uses, um, the trellis is meant to support the vine and let it grow well. And if you think of, you know, church structures as the trellis and the vine as the work of the spirit, I feel like we've gotten to a point where we focused so hard on building a good trellis that we have rest- we've restrained and restricted and, and, and pushed down the vine without even realizing it by putting all of the burden on the staff, by putting all of the burden on the organizational church saying, oh, church does this, church does this. Instead, we've unequipped (laughs) the priesthood of all believers. We've said, hey, your piece of the bike doesn't exist. And so it's no wonder that the problem people come in with is where do I fit? They say, where do I fit in this this story of God working? Where do I fit in, in, in making disciples and doing all these things? Because I'm not a pastor, so I can't do it. What a lie from the enemy that we have basically supported as a church for the past several, several, several years, we've supported this lie that it's the church's job, the organizational church's job, I should say, to do this. When in reality, it's the the big C, the people church. It's their job. You know, and it almost comes down to a, a misdefinition of church. The church is an organization. No, 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 no. The church is a people. The church is a group of people that all serves. They all have their part. You know, they have their piece of the puzzle, just like in uh, that passage that you shared. I think it's from 1 Corinthians. Yes, talking about the if the eye were um, the only part of the body, how could it hear? How could it smell? How could it? No, it needs every single piece. You, I, I want to say this right now. I'm just on a roll right now. I just want to say this right now to you, listener, that you have a key role in the mission of God. You have a key role. There is, there is a... a You know, some people would say there's a U-shaped hole (laughs) in this puzzle that only you can fill. You have a unique calling, a unique uh, set of of circumstances, a unique past, a unique history, whether it is good things, whether it is bad things, whether they're traumatic. No matter what, you are a very unique person that is uniquely equipped to disciple people and to help 
push forward the kingdom of God and see the vision that God has become realized. Like, and don't, don't let anyone tell you that that's just a pastor's job. You are a pastor. <laughs> you are a priest. I don't care whether you work in a warehouse or you work at a McDonald's or anything in between. You have the Holy Spirit inside you and you are meant to deliver the message of God. You are meant to push forward the kingdom of God wherever you are. Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play, whatever you do, anything. That's the job. It's the contribution that God has called us into. Yeah, Nick, you're saying to our people that you matter and your contribution to the success of God's mission matters. So whether you've talked yourself out of it or the enemy has done something to preclude you from your contribution, uh, we're here to say... No, you matter a lot, and the contribution, the thing you bring to the table, God will use. Yeah. You are, you are Christ's workmanship. Come on, dude. And there might be some things you have to unlearn along the way. And so you know, the, the funny Sunday part was L.A. fitness and crew car wash. But let me just really drill into this for a hot second because the L.A. fitness church is alive and well. Hmm. And it pains my heart. The L.A. fitness church, right? The LA, big bold, polished, borderline sexy. You pay your dues. You get exactly what you want. Yeah. You get exactly what you want. Can God use that church? Of course he can. Of course he can. That's not our flavor here, man. Our flavor is not the big, bold, polished, sexy deal. Do we want to reach a lot of people for Jesus? Absolutely, but it's not because we want a big church. We want an expanding kingdom. Yeah, And so that's why we have that big, bold vision of a thousand spirit-filled people by 2030. And I think that we can do that. But the LA fitness mentality of I pay my dues, I get my goods, I have my preferences met, you have to unlearn that. You have to unlearn that. Same way you have to unlearn the crew car wash church, the the crew car wash mentality of church which is what I actually think is more of like the spirit-filled movement. Like, And to your point about the trellis and the vine, both are important for for the yeah. for each other, Yes. right? And so like we would say like organizational structure matters because God's an organized God. He's not a chaotic God. Right. And it doesn't mean anything if the Holy Spirit right. doesn't have opportunity to make himself present, known, and lead the way. Yeah. And so it's a tension. It's a tension to facilitate. It's like, Holy Spirit, you can show up and do whatever you want at any point. We will follow you. Yeah. And we've seen expressions from that from time to time. And I would say that we are a church that's learning how to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-anointed in all things that we do. However, a crew car wash mentality says, I'm going to show up for the experience. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to get soaked, right? I'm going to look good on the outside never deal with what's on the inside. Mm. So I'm going to say no to the discipleship process, Mm. right? Yeah. Which is another way people stay unengaged in the mission. So I'm not, I'm not willing. I already got my goods at the LA fitness mentality. I paid my dues, got my goods. And then the crew wash mentality is I got soaked. I got covered. I got clean. Didn't deal with anything on the inside. The inside's still a mess because I never said yes to discipleship. Yeah. So what is needed? A completely radical redefinition of church, yeah. which is you don't go to it. It's you. Yeah. 
Well, and I think, like I said before, the church organization has ruined that for themselves because, you know, what you win them with, you win them to. Forever. Forever. Whatever you brought people in with, that's what they'll always want. And so if we bring people in with a Sunday morning production, they'll only want the Sunday morning production. Which is difficult because, you know, for the longest time, everyone was like, oh, get people in, get people in. But now we're like realizing, oh, shoot, that's not the best means to see the mission of God fulfilled. The best means to see the mission of God fulfilled is not to bring people in, but to send people out. Right. And so, but it's hard because come and see the church is way more attractive than go and be the church. And frankly, it's quite easy. Yes. Yet there is... Again, attention to manage, not necessarily a problem to solve overnight because the scriptures do call on believers to not stop gathering. Yeah. So there is this call to gather for the sake of corporate worship, right? the sacraments being distributed, those kinds of things, and are super valuable to the edification of that body of believers to encourage them in the missional process. But I think that we've picked up a trend here. It just can't be a replacement yeah. to yep. a lifestyle That's not enough. of mission. It's not enough, it's not enough to come visit. <laughs> to come visit. <laughs> that's it, a great way to put it, to come visit. Like, that's what you're doing. You're coming to visit once a week. And I would say it's a great place to start, yeah. not a great place to end. Mm, yep. It's a great place to build new friendships and find yeah. a community. It's just not a great place to check off the box and say, I have done what I've needed to do. Yeah. I I don't think that you've done what God has maybe called you to do. I think maybe God is calling you and pleading with you and offering you a partnership that says, why don't you throw seed? Hmm. Why don't you find a way to partner with me? And I will empower the seed that you throw. As long as you throw it on cultivated soft soil, I will empower it with rain and water and it will grow. And there will be a harvest because the harvest is plentiful. But these seed throwers, these laborers, they're the ones that I can't find anywhere. And by God's grace, may we be a church that are full of seed throwers. Yeah. That are willing mm-hmm. to start but not end where they started. Yeah. Well, it goes even into the whole idea of our role is to trust God to do what we can't do to trust that God will grow the seeds, trust that God will end what we start. You know what I mean? We're, our job is not to end it. It's to start it. And it is so hard because we're all control freaks. Oh, absolutely. And Especially if you, you. <laughs> if you want, if you want a little picture into the world of church leadership, it is a slow lesson from God (laughs) on releasing control of the things that you once thought you had control of or had to control. I even, I was talking to, um, to, to Ralph Moore, big church planter as his, you know, if you track down all the churches that he has planted over the years, uh, it comes out to like 2,200 churches in, in North America. And I think all over the world. Um, and I was talking to him about, church planting what does it take you know to to multiply disciples and the fruit of that conversation kind of came to a point of like the difference between making one disciple that never makes a disciple again and the and making disciples that make disciples is trust 
you're trusting without controlling, you're trusting that they will do a good job making more. <laughs> but we so badly want to control all the things. But that's, I mean, that's equipping and empowering. You know, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to equip and empower? Is it to control what they're doing, control what the people of God are doing, or is it to let them take the reins, let them take the horse that's pulling the carriage behind, let them lead us? You know what I mean? And, and, and flipping that, that organizational structure upside down is our job is not to, to rule over them, but to serve them as leaders, is to serve them as they fulfill the mission. Like they're on the front lines. You know what I mean? If you look at it, you know, in a business perspective, even of like the upper management isn't on the front lines of the business, the, the bottom level is, you would see it. And so in the same way, our job as church leaders is to equip and empower the saints, the believers to go be on the front lines, you know? And so it's like, are we making once a week volunteers or are we making frontline everyday missionaries? And, and that would then flip to you. If you are, you know, whether you are uh, a high capacity volunteer or, you know, volunteer every once in a while, do you, one, two questions, do you feel like you're being equipped to go beyond Sunday mornings? Because if you're not, have a conversation with your pastor and say, hey, I want to be equipped to be more than just a volunteer once a week, and I want to be an everyday missionary. Can you help me have that conversation? Because we can only help if you come to us for help. It's so hard to go and seek it out sometimes. And number two, I would encourage you, if you if you don't want to be an everyday missionary, to kind of sit in that tension a little bit and say, uh, am I just trying, am I settling for being a once-a-week volunteer and missing out on the joy and the gift of being an everyday missionary? Like I said before, God has given us the gift of doing ministry. It's not a burden. It's a gift. And so we should not be robbed of it. And I pray that we would not be robbed of that gift of doing mission every day. So what, is, what does it mean to you, I guess, to equip and empower? What, how do you, what is your kind of perspective on that? My perspective is that our people have agreed to volunteering twice a month, every weekend, once a month, based on their limited schedule and their limited energy. And if you have said yes to serving on a team, leading an outpost, leading a huddle, you are engaged once a month, every other week, or every single week, big thank you from, from at least from my perspective, from, I guess from a staffing perspective, big thank you for your big yes. What I think that Nick and I are trying to make a case of is that you can be equipped and empowered to live on mission and to engage God's sacred mission every day of the week. And you're like, Luke, I don't have time or energy for that. I don't have any more hours to say yes to, to which I would say it doesn't need more hours. It needs a paradigm shift. It needs a mm -hmm. mental shift. And what I mean is that you don't have a farmer standing next to the field, throwing out seed in, in every waking hour of his day. Instead, what the farmer does is he strikes when the iron is hot. He only throws the seed when the soil is soft, mm. when it is cultivated, and just before it rains. Yeah, that's right? good. And so if you think about it in that light, the pressure is off. 
because you you get on a podcast like this and you hear Pastor Nick and you hear Pastor Luke like pleading with the people, like yeah. be engaged in the mission of God, the sacred mission that's so near and dear to God's heart. Be engaged in it beyond Sunday. It's like, Luke, I already said yes to volunteering in Mercy Kids. I already said yes yeah. to volunteering in this capacity, that capacity. I've been engaged. empowered. <laughs> you have equipped me. I've been empowered. And what I'm saying is, brother, sister in Christ, God is going to give you opportunities Monday through Saturday and strike when the iron is hot. Don't miss the opportunity mm. to scatter yep. seed when God opens that door. He's not calling on his farmers, his workers to stand at the edge of the field with a bag of seed and stand there and only there and throw seed and throw seed and throw seed. That is why street preachers don't work. Yeah. That's that's why that doesn't that ministry doesn't work. Is because there is a commitment to well if I just give enough time to this, yeah, it'll be effective. To which I would say no, but if you throw the seed at just the right time, it will be effective. Well, I'd even say going on the lines of it's a paradigm shift. We don't just stand there and throw seeds, but we do stand there. We need to be available. We need to be ready for it. You know, if you think about like. If you have to, if it's all about striking when the iron's hot, if it's all about getting the seeds out at the right time, what if you're not there? What if you're not ready? You know, we're going to miss all of the opportunities that we're not ready for. You know what I mean? So then the question is, how do we make sure we are ready? And the, the power of staying in lockstep with the Holy Spirit and standing at the field, but maybe you're standing inside the farmhouse looking through the glass and you're waiting for those clouds to come in, and you're waiting for the rain to fall, you're waiting for the sun to rise, you have a person in your family, a child, a person in your organization that you are employed at, that is going through pain, that is asking questions, that is asking curious yeah. questions about the church that you yeah. are a part of. Tell me those aren't opportunities yeah. for you to strike when the iron is hot. Yeah, don't miss those opportunities. And, and honestly, Look for them. Look for the opportunities. You know, 99.9% of the opportunities that you're not looking for, you, you won't, won't find, find them. You're not going to find what you're not looking for. You have to have the eyes to see it. You have to be searching for it. Um, and so the question is, you know, are you looking? Or are you sitting back and just waiting for Sunday to be the only means of serving and the only means of receiving? Um, Sunday's not enough. It's not enough. It is good. It is so good. It is but just, it's not, just enough. not enough. It's just not, it's not everything. Um, it, the best way to describe it is honestly, it's like, it's only a small piece of what God created for us. And God did create it for us. And it's a great thing, but it's just such a small piece. And there's so much more joy to experience. There's so much, it's not the full picture. We've actually modeled our church, our whole strategy is oriented around the very idea that Sunday morning is important, but not enough. Not the full picture. Yeah. The full picture of living on mission via through the outposts. Is discipleship and it's outposts and it's, it's, it's going out and serving and it's being engaged. So our whole model, like we're on this podcast pleading with you listener to consider living on mission beyond Sunday and engage in God's sacred mission beyond Sunday and our church is literally strategically modeled after that very concept, that very point. 
it's just a lot more difficult to get people uh, triaged into outposts and discipling enterprises because Sunday is a show up, leave uh, agreement. You know, I'm yeah. agreeing to show up. I'm agreeing to sit under preaching. I'm agreeing to sing some songs. I might even, I might even, I might even drink your coffee. But if you knew that there was more and the more did require some effort and some work, but that work and effort was ultimately worth it and that God could use it to bring more and more people to his face. Yeah. Would you agree that it was worth your time and energy and effort? I bet you would say yes. But there's just so much that we don't see. Probably because we're not looking. I mean, time and time again throughout the Bible, you'll find stories of God working and the person doesn't see that he's working until the very end. And God still does the same thing now. And so my encouragement would be to um, to trust that one day you'll look back and see what God was doing, <laughs> even though you don't see it now. Nick, as we close, what would be one thought of encouragement that you would offer our people that they could ruminate on, that they could um, sit on and meditate on in this coming days and weeks? Yeah, honestly... It would be a little bit of what I said earlier of you're made for more. You are Christ's workmanship created in him to do good works, to do the good works that God has prepared from the beginning of time, that God has prepared. God has prepared a mission to see the world come back to him, and he's invited you to be a part of it. That's what he created you to be a part of. And Sunday is not enough. Sunday is not the full picture of that vision. It's not the full picture of that mission. Um, and so my encouragement would be that as Christ's workmanship, um, to go and live that mission every day of the week, not just one day a week. Um, and that's hard because I, I even struggle with that. It's, it's definitely a, a difficult process. It's something that pulls us out of our comfort zones, but I would encourage you to just run from that comfort zone um, with abandon and without thinking about it, because the more you think about it, you'll just psych yourself out. <laughs> uh, and I know that that's scary, but I would just go for it. Jump all in, uh, and you will see the fullness of joy, uh, that Christ has prepared for us. That is in that lifestyle. And I, I promise you it'll be worth it. That's what I have to say. What do you have? Anything that you would want to say as an encouragement? Yeah. To leave our listeners with a closing thought, to encourage you. God is never going to waste any pain or trauma that you offer him. And so yeah. if pain and trauma apprehension is precluding you from engaging God's sacred mission beyond Sunday, just know that whatever you offer back to God, he can repurpose, reallocate for something fruitful. And that's the wisdom and the mystery of our, of the God we serve. And so it doesn't actually matter what the reason is. It, it, there's 10,000 reasons. We've just named a few as what's kind of keeping people um, cautiously from uh, from cautiously not engaging the mission of God beyond Sunday. And I'm just fearful that someone's listening to this and they're just like, you have no idea what I've been through. Mm. And you are right. I have no idea what you've been through. But God intimately does. He intimately knows what you've been through. And if you let him, in his wisdom, he could actually repurpose what you've been through. 
he will repurpose. He he will, and it would be a beautiful thing if you let him. And it doesn't mean you have to like go crazy. All you can do it step by step. God's patient. He's not going to shove you off the edge of the cliff, but he's always going to push you out of your comfort zone, like you were saying. And so I just want our listeners to know the pressure is off because the kingdom of God will be grown by God. And Jesus will not be dethroned if you don't engage in the mission. But God's desire for you is partnership. Yeah. And if you believed that in your heart of hearts and you knew that it was a that it was an offer, that it was an invitation and not an obligation, mm. it's not a pressure. Mm. Like the pressure is off, friend. You don't have to do this. Burn you light. get to do this. Yeah, for the joy. And if that paradigm shift can become a regular mentality of like, I, I'm being invited in to participate and to contribute to God's sacred mission on planet Earth via the local church, what does that look like for me? What does that look like for me to show up and be present and be engaged beyond Sunday? God, would you just make that crystallized in my heart and mind? Yeah. Those are my closing thoughts of encouragement. That's good. Just in the story of Joseph, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I would encourage you, uh, if you have trauma, if you have things in your life that you feel like disqualify you from ministry or things um, that you just don't even know how to process through, um, maybe before this podcast, I would have said, come find one of us pastors and talk to us. Um, but after this and after this this paradigm shift in my own heart and in my own mind, um, go find someone in the priesthood of all believers to talk to. Go find someone that you might be close with in our church um, and sort this through with them. Talk this through um, and and s- encourage one another to to serve on mission in the way that you are uniquely equipped to do. Don't forget, you can submit your own questions about the sermon or other faith-related things on Sunday mornings uh, using the QR code on the back of the chairs or on our website at mercyroadnw.com. Uh, and you can find more details and information about our community on that website as well. Uh, and you can also get a hold of me or Luke there uh, if you go to our staff page. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.